in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at verse 28. Also, we're also looking at verse 10 because verse 10 deals with the same gifts that we're looking at right now. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12 says this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps administration, and various kinds of tongues. Father, I ask that you would teach us, that, Father, we would understand we are not to be ignorant about the giftedness, the divine enabling that you have given to your people. But, Father, we are not to be deceived. Father, I pray the words they hear today are you, not me. Now, Father, that your spirit moves in a mighty way and we understand the preciousness of the day, the privilege of the body of Christ, the privilege of spiritual gifts, the privileges of walking in the power and majesty of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, may we cherish it and may we redeem the time to your glory. Amen. All right, a couple of things quickly we're looking at. I'm dealing with what I call gifts that signal. Gifts that signal. In your outline, it'll be the point three. We've looked at these others, and, and we're, we're dealing with <clears throat> miracles, which is the word dudamas, which is power. Uh, and we looked at that in depth, and we've seen that that gift had a commonality in the gospel and the book of Acts and the epistles dealing with demons, the, the, the defeated kingdom. All right. I'm not limiting miracles. I'm not limiting dunamis to just demonic warfare. But as I look at scripture, that word is always used in light of that. But you also see another term that is used is healings. And there is, um, I believe, great confusion on this. And I want to take us back. Last week we were kind of concluding with Romans chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. And Paul, quoting Isaiah, says this, However, they did not heed the good news. Speaking of the rejection of Israel, they did not heed the gospel. For Isaiah said says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. All right, that is so specific. I can't believe that we have stumbled so crooked from it. There isn't a, a method to this. There isn't a gimmick to this. You preach the word of God. God empowers the soul to hear his word. And thus faith comes by the grace of God, the mercy of God to he who hears. There are no magic tricks, there are no miracles, there are no healings, and yet that is part of it. Salvation, brothers and sisters, comes one way and one way only. Hearing, preaching. Nothing else. There's no dialoguing. There's none of this... Well, what if? Let me give you some cool stories. Let me tell you some some things to make you cry or make your hair stand up or liver quiver. It ain't none of that. It is absolute, unadulterated preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God moves on that soul. Period. 
I, I, I can't get over and emphasize this enough because I watched it happen. I mean, one of the most, oh, I feel so sorry for the young man. I had to come to that pastor when I was teaching in, uh, in Russia. I'm teaching one of the most doctrinal books in the New Testament. It's doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and just drive you nuts. The guy was there being kept away from his mother, uh, was trying to help him, and he heard the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of sanctification, the doctrine of faith and belief, the doctrine of glorification, and the doctrine of submission. Broke down and came to salvation. That's all he heard. And it was unrelenting. You guys think this is long. We're talking 10 hours a day, five days of doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and doctrine. And I would have gotten saved too. Shut up, mister. Go back to America. I want you to know how important this is. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this. This is a warning. I want to give you the full text. I'm going to start with verse 1 of chapter 2. For this reason, what reason? The preeminence of Jesus Christ. That's chapter 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. This is that picture I told you of a ship going by the harbor and waving, saying, I want to go in there, but I'll just come back. That we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After all, after it was Look, it was first spoken through the Lord. It was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them. Okay, these would be the apostles, both in signs and wonders and various miracles and the, by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. How important is this? God's bearing witness. God's bearing witness. And how did he start it out? I want to show you my truth. How can I get my truth out? I will have human authors. How will the human authors, how will you know the human authors are true? What they're saying is the word of God. They will have signs, wonders, and miracles. All right? Do we need more truth today? Well, we were looking at that in our Sunday school class. Second Peter chapter 1 says that you need to know Jesus Christ, and the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. How do I get the true knowledge of Jesus Christ? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's the Bible, brothers, sisters. That's the Bible. Listen, we're dealing with healings again. And I'm, I'm going to give you some stuff today that you're going to say, well, Terry, you got too much time or something. But let me ask you something. Chronologically, if you look at the New Testament, okay, First two letters, first two letters written that you have as the New Testament are not in Ma not Matthew and Mark. First two letters chronologically are First and Second Thessalonians. Okay, last two letters, Titus and Second Timothy. Okay, First and Second Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica was being persecuted even to the point of some giving their lives. What was Paul's response 
when a person was sick or suffering for the gospel, what did he tell them to do? Go get the healer? Go get the person with the gift of miracles. Okay? At the conclusion of Paul's life, 2 Timothy, Mamatine prison, preparing to get his head cut off, and he says, Timothy, I need you to come quick to, quickly, come quickly to me, and I need you to bring the gift of healer guy or lady. Why? Because they're getting ready to cut my head off, and that ain't going to go well. No, he says, bring me a cloak and the parchments. Now, Timothy, or Paul had the ability to do miracles. I've seen it. He actually had the ability to do miracles in an offensive way. I'm digging that one. If I couldn't have the gift of healings, I want to be around, just go blind. Because that's what he did, and that guy just went blind. I'm like, dude, that's getting the point across. Okay, and he's the only person I've ever seen in the, in the Bible that says, here's an offensive gift for you. Um, you know, I can go in the eyes and go blind. But everybody can say, I don't think God did that. Um, in the epistles, when people were sick, when people were preparing to die, when people were being stoned, what was the response of the body of Christ? Why didn't they heal them? Why didn't they heal them? Paul was separated from the church in Thessalonica, and he says, I can't come back to you because the devil has put roadblocks up. Why didn't he exercise dunamis against the devil's roadblocks? Because it is the Holy Spirit's will. You can watch a progression of the lessening of divine intervention into the natural realm. Please, I want you to understand, when I talk about healings and when I talk about miracles, I am talking about something that there is no other explanation than the divine intervention of God creator into the natural order. Okay, I don't want to hear that it was a miracle everybody came out to shovel snow yesterday. Okay, it had been a miracle if it had all disappeared. Okay, we just pushed it around. Okay, now go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And I want to show you how miracles, dunamis, and these others, uh, the gift of healing, you can see them work. He called the twelve together and he gave them power, dunamis and authority over all the demons and to heal. And, verse 2, sent them out to what? I wonder what that means. Preach. Why? Listen, if I can heal every disease but I have no gospel for you, what good is it? You know, everybody talks about Lazarus. Remember Lazarus, Mary Martha's brother, got raised from the dead? And everybody says, oh, how cool would that have been? Right? He still had to go die. Did you understand that? He still had to go die again. It was a temporary reprieve. And truth of the matter is, it's before the cross. He's in Abraham's bosom. Then it called me out. I'd have been mad and old wet hen. I have to come back here? But I don't want to come back here. Listen, if I die, somebody calls me out of heaven. You are going to wish you never did that. Okay? I am telling you. I don't have the mercy of God. I am going to be fit to be tied, and you are going to pay a price. I don't understand that. Okay? So when, when, when we think about this, Romans 15, 19, it is for the preaching, 
It is the pre. We're missing this today. It doesn't do any good to have power. It doesn't do any good to heal people if you don't open your mouth. And we, I, we think we're so sophisticated. Well, I can do it another way. You know, I was told by my Bible that I am to walk by faith, not by sight. I argue that anybody who has to have a healing or has to have a miracle has a very small faith if they have any faith at all. All right? So this is our text. This is what we're dealing with. Okay, now I, I, I want to give my qualifier that I gave last week. One, I understand that this is a controversial subject. Okay, and I am not here to cause controversy. Okay? Two, God can do anything God wants to do, anytime God wants to do it, whenever God wants to do it. And I'm, I'm open to it. Go ahead, Lord, do it. Okay? You really need to understand that. And I'm not doing this. I'm not teaching this. I'm not taking a stance that you and I, that would be divisive. Okay? But I will argue this. When I see God heal and what I see today are not the same. Are not the same. Okay? I Listen, I don't have to go very far to find sickness. I don't have to go very far to find illness. I don't have to go very far to find disease. Okay, and if I go back as far as I can to the oldest time that I see this developing, it's 415 A.D. It's the Roman Catholic Church. I shared with you some of that stuff. And here's the thing that I do know about the exercising of spiritual gifts. I have people ask me, well, what do you think my gift is? And this is what my answer will be to you from now on. Are you manifesting all the fruit of the Spirit? Are you manifesting an absolute pure life? Are you manifesting pure doctrine? Are you manifesting humility? Are you totally consumed with the exaltation of Christ's absolute obedience to his word? If you're doing that, I'll know your gift. If I tell you I don't know what your gift is, back up to those five. All right? I do not believe Holy Spirit gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, will be manifested in a fleshly living human being. Okay? So, why is there such a um, huge belief in these things that are happening? Um, you know, People falling over, they jump around, they shout, I am healed, uh, I see this. Why do people believe? And I have had people tell me this statement regularly, okay? More times than I ever really wanted to think about it. So I went and did my homework on it. Here's what they tell me. Evidence is so massive to support the healings, how can you deny it? Okay? So my question was, really? Let's go see the evidence. All right? There's a book out. It's not an easy read, but if you're interested, you can look at it. It's a fascinating book. It's written by a guy, William Nolan. 
He's a doctor, an MD. The book is called Healing, A Doctor's Search of a Miracle. This man is not a Christian. Okay? And um, he deals with a lot of stuff in the book, but it's like I said, it's not an easy read because, like I said, he's a doctor. I'm not. I don't play one on TV either. Okay? But I do believe he has an objective view. And the one person that I will kind of hang with right now is a lady called Catherine Kuhlman. Is her name. Catherine Kuhlman. And she is like uh, the godmother of healings. She's the one who uh, got a lot of this stuff that you see today started. Uh, the big arena stuff is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the guys hanging out in a tent in um, Poughkeepsie. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, uh, getting the arena in Atlanta and the, and, and the Coliseum in Los Angeles and Ottawa and all these other places. And I'm just going to read you some, a quote from his book for a little bit so you kind of see this guy's a doctor now. He's not a, he's not a believer. He's a doctor. And then I'll quote. Finally, it was over. There were still long lines of people wanting to get in onto the stage and claim their cures. But at 5 o'clock p.m., with a hymn and a final blessing, the show ended. Miss Kuhlman left the stage and audience, and the audience left the auditorium. Before going back to talk to Miss Kuhlman, now this guy spent several months and over a course of years interviewing healers and, and these people, and he was waiting there to interview her, all right, to talk to Miss Kuhlman. I spent a few minutes watching wheelchair patients leave. All desperately ill patients who had been in the wheelchairs were still in the wheelchairs. In fact, the man with the kidney cancer that had progressed into his spine and hips, the man whom I had helped into the auditorium and who had borrowed a wheelchair to, and had shown to the audience when he claimed a cure was back in the wheelchair. His cure even if it only hysterical one had been extremely short-lived. As I stood in the corridor watching the hopeless cases leave, seeing the tears of parents as they pushed their crippled children to the elevators, I wish Miss Kuhlman would have been with me. She had complained a couple of times during the service of the responsibility, the enormous responsibility, and how her heart ached for those who weren't cured. But I wonder how often she had really looked at them. I wonder if she sincerely felt that the joy of those cured of bursitis and arthritis compensated for the anguish of those left with the withered legs, their disabled children, their cancers of the liver. I wondered if she really knew the damage that she was doing. I couldn't believe that she did. Here are some of the aspects of medical healing process that <clears throat> of the medical healing process that some of us know nothing and none of us know enough to start with. The body's ability to heal itself. Catherine Kuhlman often says, I don't heal. The Holy Spirit heals through me. I suspect there are two reasons why Miss Kuhlman continually repeats this statement. One, if the patient doesn't improve, the Holy Spirit, not Miss Kuhlman, gets the blame. Two, 
She hasn't the foggiest notion what healing is all about. And once she puts the responsibility on the shoulders of the Holy Spirit, she can answer, if questioned about her healing powers, I don't know. The Holy Spirit does it all. Let me repeat, a charismatic individual can sometimes influence a patient and cure symptoms or a functional disease by purely suggestion. Okay, now listen, I want to, in this book, and I'll just give you a really quick synopsis of it. He defines diseases in two categories. One is a functional disease and one is an organic disease. Okay, a functional disease is when you have a perfectly good organ and it doesn't function properly. Okay, you can have a perfectly good brain and get a headache. Okay. Um, those of you who came out and shoveled yesterday have a perfectly good back that hurts. Okay, and in a little time, it will be better. Okay, an organic disease is where the organ is not good, but it is organically destroyed, injured, or crippled. Okay, the function, the, the functional disease is a symptom without a reality. Okay? An organic is a reality and a symptom. Do you see the difference? So what he's basically saying is she's clueless about healings. I'll go back. You will find, quote, you will find that in all cases of so-called healers, the only kinds of healing they ever accomplished are functional, never organic. All they ever deal with are symptoms. Unquote. Okay? Now then, his argument is, how does that work? Okay? Uh, he's got a large chapter in the book, and I don't want to get into the whole book, but he basically calls it hypnosis, the power of suggestion. Here's what he says. Quote, this is from the doctor again. Doctors often you doctors use often when I give a patient a pill or a shot I make a point of saying this medicine should make you better in 24 or 48 hours this medicine always works well I know in some cases I am going to get better results if I suggest to the patient that the medicine is going to work rather than if I said well I don't know about this medicine. Sometimes it works pretty good. Sometimes not so well. We'll give it a try. There is tremendous, po tremendous power in positive thinking, particularly where functional disorders are concerned, unquote. Okay? If you've ever been to the doctor's office, don't they do that? We got those new antibiotics. Don't take one a day. Don't take five of them. You got to take one a day. Don't take more than one. It'll eat the bacteria off your tongue. Your whole head will just fall right off. But you'll be cured in, in a week. And you know what? You take them, you're scared to death of them. You wash your hands so you don't do something to your skin. And you take the one, and by the end of the week, what? You feel brand new. But the doctor told you, what? This stuff here will kill anything in you. All right? He was given by the secretary of Miss Kuhlman 80 cases. Okay? That they said were confirmed moving of healings okay, of the Holy Spirit. And they said, you want to try to prove us wrong, 
track all eight of these cases, and you will find Miss Kuhlman has the gift of healing. Okay, gave them names, address, everything. Not one was a legitimate healing out of the 80 that they said, we want you to go look. Not one. Okay? The secretary gave these statistics. Because, remember, look at the evidence. <clears throat> Ms. Kuhlman, on an average year, would do 125 healing services. Okay? The average attendance to a healing service was 10,000 per service. Okay? My numbers say that's 1.2 million, 1,250,000 people a year. Okay? His number said if a third are cancer, that's 400,000 cancer patients, cancer victims. Okay? He has, he's actually a cancer doctor, is his uh, surgeon, is his kind of main line of work. He has a very above standard load of cancer victims, and he does 4,000 a year. Okay, that's what his medical practice is. By national standards, he's very busy. Okay? He took 400,000 and cannot find one cure. Not one. All right? Listen, would you go to a doctor who had less than a 50% cure rate? I mean, that means 50% of them die. Would you go to a healer who has a no cure rate? 1.2 million cases of healings across the board, numerous quote-unquote healers. He could not find one legitimate healing. Okay? Why? Why do people do this? I believe it's emotions, and I believe that once you get a diagnosis that is horrible like that, uh, I don't believe you act logically. I believe that your emotions take over and all kinds of crazy stuff happen. And I believe that that's the big thing. That's why you see people are willing to go down to Mexico and try experimental stuff that has never been proven. Uh, eat, you know, grind up vegetables with some kind of grinder and drink that yuck. And it's going to do what? And it ain't going to fix you. Um, and I was like, people said, well, I've been diagnosed with lung cancer. And I said, do you smoke? Yes. And they said, well, I'm going to quit smoking. No. Keep smoking. <laughs> why? You done paid the price. I, that's the kind of, do you see what I'm trying to get? You can't chase backwards at this. But the emotions get bizarre on us. I, man, I have dealt with diseases. I have dealt with loved ones who have died, who have had terminal diagnosis. I know the heartache that is there. I know the turmoil that is there. I know the longings that are there. And I watch the emotions go nuts. And yet I cannot find one documented case of a healer healing somebody. Then people will tell me, well, but what they're doing is biblical. <sighs> not even close. They're not even, not even close to sound biblical teaching. 
By his stripes you've been healed. That's the worst handling of Isaiah 53 I've ever read in my life. People who are sick are desperate. I, we can understand that desperation, and it comes from disease, sickness, and it drives people to do things they normally wouldn't do. And that's biblical. Job chapter 2, verse 4, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. That's biblical. It answers anything new. People will do just about anything to live. Experimental medicines, healers. Um, there's a fantastic market, if you're truly honest. Uh, people are really sick and people are really desperate. I don't have to go very far to find sick and desperate people. All you have to do is make a comparison between what goes on today and what the Bible teaches and you'll see where I stand. And that's what I want to do. Okay? I want to deal with the gentle healer. Okay? How did Jesus heal? All right? Now, I, need, I want you to understand something there because let's be realistic. Jesus Christ sets the standard for all spiritual gifts. All right? If you want to see a spiritual gift, try Jesus. All right? Um, now, you need to understand a little bit uh, quickly the world that he lived in. Um, there weren't any clinics. Uh, you couldn't go to the local doctor. Uh, no a o HMOs, PPOs. He was so blessed. No. Um, there were no hospitals. Uh, you couldn't call 911 and get an ambulance ride. Um, basically, diseases were incurable. Um, they were destructive. You know what? You could get a plague and completely wipe out a city. And there was nothing you could do about it. Jesus came into the physical world and he wanted the world to know he was God. Okay, not a facsimile. He is God. And he realized that the greatest way to point the attention to himself was to go through the world relieving disease. Okay, and you know what? He did it. He did it. And I'm going to just give you a quick list here. First of all, in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, you know, uh, <clears throat> chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, okay, the centurion came to him, his daughter was dying, and he got there, it's too late, it's already dead, and he says, I've never seen such great a faith in all of Israel, right? Remember the, what, what I'm talking about? He says, in your faith, your daughter is healed. Okay, you know how he healed there? With a word. Or a touch. Just said it. Just said it. It wasn't, how many healings has God given today? His word or a touch. Okay? With a word. The centurion says, Master, I'm a man under authority. Just say it, and it'll happen. And Jesus said, So be it. Your daughter is saved. Okay? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 27, a lady with the issue of blood for 12 years. That's a serious problem. Okay? She touched his robe. Do you get that? He didn't touch her. She touched his robe, and it says it was gone. 12 years, issues of bleeding, gone. Like that. 
Okay? With a word or a touch. Okay? That brings me to, you know, listen, there's no dramatics. There, there's no theatrics. There's no smoke coming up off the stage. There's no music and rhythms and drums. There's nothing. He spoke or a touch. Next one, instantaneously. The lady who touched him, it was instantaneously gone. The issue of bleeding was gone. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 31, the death had been death from birth. Okay? You know what that means, right? Can't talk. You can't hear yourself saying the words. You're not going to articulate the words. So you're deaf, and he stuck his fingers in his ears with the touch, and instantaneously he could talk. He could talk. It went from stone death to talking. Okay, what other explanation can you give to that? Okay, we can take, they, they've got a, a disease where the hairs in your inner ear die. You, you go bald in the inner ear. Okay, and they can put a cochlear ear implant in, right? And you can, and it runs through a, a transponder and it, it'll work its way so you can hear it, right? But you know what? If you haven't been able to talk before that, you still can't talk. Okay, if you've seen people who are deaf and hear them, usually those who can verbalize something, their deafness came at a later age, but you can tell it by the way they speak that they're deaf. You know what I'm talking about. This man in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 31, was deaf, and he was able to articulate what was said, and he had no other explanation than it was a miracle. So Jesus did it by a word, he did it by a touch, and it was always instantaneously. But you know what? He did it totally. In the Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 38, Peter had a mother-in-law. I love that because that just makes the Catholics furious. Well, they say you can't get married because we're like Peter. So Peter got a mother-in-law and no wife. Well, did he get a raw deal out of that or what? <laughs> I mean, you know, dude, you didn't get a wife, but you got a mother-in-law? What were you thinking? Anyway, mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, near death, near death. She was dying. Verse 39, chapter 4, verse 38 of Luke's gospel. Chapter, verse 39 says, Jesus rebuked a word, the fever. Okay? And you know what she did? She got up and fixed dinner. Now, how long has she had the fever? It had been a while. Now, take it easy. You've been weak and you've been down and all the rest of it. It says she got up and she fed the disciples and the Lord. She cooked. And you know what? Jesus didn't say, you know, I'm just going to take a little while with this healing for this to come together. You know, take about a week and get, you know, these antibiotics, one a day. Don't take more than one a day. Your tongue will fall out. He didn't say that. She got up. She made dinner and she served the disciples. Okay. One that I, I see missed on a regular basis. I think I shared this a little bit in my Sunday school class because this thing just freaks me out when I read it. Um, the fourth thing, Jesus healed everybody. Anyone who entered the arena, he healed. In chapter 4, verse 40 of the Gospel of Luke, it says that the sun was setting. And all of those who had 
any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Sun was setting. Time to go to bed. Time to have dinner. Sing a hymn. No. All who were sick. Chapter 9 of Luke's Gospel, verse 11, is one that I know is missed on a regular basis. The crowds were aware of this, and they followed him, welcoming him, began speaking to him, speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Healing. Any need. Anything. He took care of it. Any disease, he took care of. All right? Fifthly, look at Jesus' ministry. He healed only organic diseases. Remember the difference. Functional and organic. Functional is an organ that doesn't have a reality but has a symptom. Organic is a disease where the organ is problem. There's a trouble there. Okay? He healed crippled from birth. They could get up and walk. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. They could speak. You know what? You don't find him dealing with one leg shorter than the other. You don't find him dealing with lower back pain. You do not find him dealing with headaches. He dealt with crippling, disabling diseases that no man could say, well, but he just took a pill. He never dealt with the functional diseases. He always, every one of his miracles, every one of his healings dealt with what? Organic disease. And then the one that I really like. Um, <laughs> The uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. <laughs> this is serious healing going on here. <laughs> because <laughs> Mark 5, uh, verse 35 says this. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, official saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Okay. The synagogue ruler's daughter had died. Okay. That's a serious healing. Let's think. Day late, dollar short. I mean, the ambulance can't even fix that one. Jesus overhearing spoke and said, Synagogue officials, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And accompanied him, and she was raised from the dead. Verse 41, taking the child by the hand, he says, Talitha kum, which translates, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up, began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately she was completely astounded. They were completely astounded. Duh. Duh. They were astounded. Okay, that's serious healing, right? 
I got a better one. The one that just fascinates me. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 11 through 14. You have seen this played out on your televisions on a regular basis. Okay, you have seen this. When a person in Palestine or Israel is killed, they put the casket up on the shoulders of everybody and walk it through the town. Okay, uh, that is a biblical precedence that they do that. Uh, it is to bring grief. It is so, so that the community can grieve over the death of this individual child or whatever. This is what is happening in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, or chapter 7, I'm sorry, verses 11 and following. Soon afterwards, he was in the city of Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. And now they approached the city gate. A dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a sizable crowd was in the city, was with her. Everybody's grieving over this guy's death. As he, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion on her and says, Do not weep. He came up and touched the coffin. And the bearers came to a halt. Why? You know why? To touch, that's defiling to a Jew. You can't, dude, you know what you're doing? And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Dead man, set up. And began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And it says, fear gripped them all. <laughs> I remember one time I was taking, a, um, what do they call it? We, mechanical drawing class. And we had to go get a casket. Um, it's a long story. We were going to draw this casket. Anyway, it's part of our thing we were going to do. And so we, me and this other guy took his pickup truck, and we went up and picked up this casket, and we put it in the back. And, yep, I'm riding in the box <laughs> in the back. So we're cruising down the highway, casket shut, and I just open the lid, sit up, <laughs> and watch all humanity go, it's a miracle! <laughs> That ain't what this is. Okay? That ain't what this is. Okay? Please understand that. Listen, I, you know what? Go up and touch the casket as it's coming through and the crowd is grieving and everything. And go up and say, young man, get up. Man, that's a great way to end a funeral. Just like that. Okay? But I like that phrase. Fear gripped them all. Duh. Okay? I want to conclude with this thought. In the Gospel of John, uh, at the end, verse chapter 20, verse 30, it says this. Do you understand that John only writes on eight miracles? Isn't it fascinating? Okay, but here's what he says at the conclusion. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31. But these were written so that you might believe... Now look what he says. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life, where? In his name. You got that? He ain't saying believe in the tricks and you will what? No. You believe first that you are a sinner bound for hell and that Christ is the Son of God. Why do I believe that? 
because it is documented in the four Gospels and names are named of people who were affected by the miracles and the abilities that he did so that you can't argue about it. You start naming off this person, Peter's mother-in-law, the centurions, the elder of the synagogue in this city, his daughter raised from the dead and all the rest of it. You are naming names. Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother raised from the dead. That is evidence. That is hardcore evidence. But it's not that you would believe that he would save you, that you would believe that he is who he claims he is. And when you believe that, you will have life through his name. Without that, you haven't got anything. This is an authenticating gift. It confirmed the, state, it confirmed the statements of Christ Jesus that he is God. He healed with a touch. He healed with a word. He healed instantaneously. He healed organic diseases. He raised the dead. There was nothing that he would back away from. He had authority over nature. He had authority over demons. And he had authority over disease. Which makes him God. I don't know anybody that's got that authority. None. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's Copeland. I don't care if it's Hinn. I don't care about them people. You don't have that authority. You can't make it stop snowing. You can't make it start snowing. You can't walk on water. And I can go through the five things that I gave you. I don't see all the fruit of the Spirit. I do not see humility. I do not see any of those things in these people claiming these truths. And when I hear people tell me, look at the evidence, I know they're deceived. They're deceived. And I don't even need to argue with you anymore. There is no evidence. I went to a non-biased observer, a person who said, I'm looking for a miracle. Show me a miracle. 1.2 million cases, zero, zip, nada. Now, I don't have to go look at 1.2 million. All I have to say is, here's how my Lord did it, and you ain't doing it that way. Okay? So when it comes to dunamis, miracles, when it comes to healing, they were a sign affirming the person speaking is writing Scripture or is Scripture. Okay, I have Scripture now. Now listen, he's going to come back. Okay, he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and that sucker is going to split all the way to the Mediterranean. It says there's going to be an equaling going on. All right? I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm saying, yeah, mm -hmm, there you go. Next question. Okay? But also know that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, period. That doesn't mean everybody gets saved. But you know what? They're all going to say it. And you know what? That is a miracle. That is a miracle. The apostles did it when they proclaimed. And they did it by removing demons and removing disease. He confirmed he is God in the flesh, Messiah, Savior. Jesus' ministry came to a conclusion as it grew to the end. You see its miracles getting less and less. Jesus' miracles becoming less and less. Why? About 18 to 20 months into his ministry, they concluded that what he was doing was by the power of the devil. 
At that point in time, his public doing of miracles stopped. He kept doing miracles. You got to remember, remember when he fed the 5,000? Okay, we always read that and say, he fed 5,000 men. Well, okay, if every man had a wife, now we got 10. Oh, what if every man who had a wife had a kid? Now we got 15,000. But what if they had... So how many were there? A bunch. All right? And 5,000 of them were male. But there's a passage that we always miss in that. And he was healing all of their sickness. Not only is he feeding them, he's making them whole. Shortly thereafter, they said, you know what, you're doing that is by the power of Beelzebub, and you don't see him doing that no more. Now, don't get me wrong. He still did miracles. He still did healings. But you do not see him on that scale. Why? Judgment had come to Israel. From that point on, that's when he began teaching in parables. And you know what parables are? Judgment. Judgment. If I teach you a parable right now, and I don't tell you what the truth is, what are you going to do with it? Whatever you want. But only I know what the truth is. All right, so what benefit is that to you? None. Now, if I'm dealing with your eternal destination, and I tell you a parable, and I don't tell you the truth of the parable, what good will that do you to get into the kingdom of God? Zero, zip, nada. And you know what's amazing about that? You know what came right after that? Languages. And languages were a judgment to Israel. You call it the gift of tongues. Languages. You know what? If I come in here and I'm Russian and I have the gospel and you don't know it and I speak it to you in truth and in power in the Russian language and you don't understand Russian, what good is that to you? Zero. Zero. Jesus' ministry came to a conclusion. The miracles became less and less. If you watch the apostles' ministry as it came to a conclusion of the apostolic age, what happened? Less and less. The message was out, came across, written down. No other reason. No other reason. Why do people line up for this? Heartache of disease? Absolutely. I know the heartache of disease. I've buried loved ones. I've buried saints. I've seen the ravages that cancer, uh, car accidents. I've seen the ravages of paralysis. I've seen the ravages of, of, of what our world gives. I've seen it. And I would give anything to make them go away. But you know what? The world has been given over to futility. And there's nothing I can do about it. But I will keep preaching the gospel. And you should preach the gospel. Period. Period. There is no other reason. I have no need for miracles. I have no need for healings. So where are you? Where are you on this day? Where is your faith this day? Miracles? I can look in a mirror and see a miracle. 
glorifying work of Jesus Christ to change a wretched man like myself into the holiness of Jesus Christ himself. That's a miracle. That's power. That's healing. And that we should be warning our brothers and sisters, don't get tangled up in this. That's why we have the body of Christ. Did you know that? So when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, bummer, dude. You don't have to go emotional and say, oh my God, what's going to happen? Why? Draw the saints of God to gather. Gather around. We'll help bear the burden. And you know what? I do funerals for free. Okay? You know what? I have watched people who got blessed. God says, you've got 12 months. Your finish line is 12 months away. You know what a blessing that is? I've seen it less. Just this year. I prayed with my dear brother. And he's, they said, we're going to go through this procedure, and it could kill you. He said, will you pray with me? I said, yeah. He looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, Terry, I can't come back and serve the body of Christ. Let me go home. I said, amen. And that's what we pray. Guess what? God took him home. All right? He's got an unbelieving wife. How could God do that? Because he said, serve the body, take me home. Well, you're not going to ever get that point again, so come on home. But what about the... You think God forgot? No. Please, brothers and sisters, I know the heartache of disease. I know the first few years of my ministry, I thought that my gift was the gift of burying people. It seemed like everywhere I went, the person was dying. I thought, boy, this is pleasant. And God says, this is the futility of the earth. Where are you? Father, I give you the praise for your word. Lord, thank you for showing us the true healer, the gentle healer, Jesus Christ. Father, let us know that these charlatans that are out there are play, playing on the emotions uh, and the heartache that afflicts this globe. Father, their, their reward will be just. Thank you. Father, help us who are called by your name. Help us who know that we need to be diligent in rightly dividing truth. Help us, Lord, to stand stand in the grace and mercy that is in Jesus Christ. Help us to uphold your word. Father, help us to walk in the gentleness and mercy that you have shown us. Father, help us to walk worthy of our calling. We praise you and love you. In Christ's name, amen.